This is The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, San Jose's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. Downtown San Jose is a bit of a hot mess right now. Once packed with nightlife, businesses, and stuff to do, things took a turn when COVID-19 hit and lockdown orders went into effect in March 2020. Since then, the city's core is crowded with homeless residents, storefronts have shuttered, and foot traffic has yet to return to pre-pandemic levels. There are signs of life in downtown still, and some help is on the way, but will it be enough to revive it? Here to talk about the state of downtown is City Councilmember Raul Perales and Scott Neese, CEO of the Downtown Association. Raul Perales is a lifelong San Jose resident and represents District 3, which includes the downtown core and the surrounding neighborhoods. In 2014, he left the San Jose Police Department after eight years, becoming the first active duty officer in city history to be elected to public office. He continues to serve in a volunteer capacity as a reserve officer. Scott Nees is the founding executive director and CEO of the San Jose Downtown Association, a nonprofit group that represents business and property owners and works to enhance downtown's vitality and livability. Welcome to the program, you two. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Hi, Nick. So let's get started. Uh, Councilmember Perales, you're terming out of office after eight years, and Scott, you're going to be leaving the Downtown Association toward the end of the year after 34 years. Um, maybe we can keep this, uh, you know, briefly, just a couple minutes each. But how has downtown changed over the course of your respective roles, uh, Councilmember? Let's start with you first, and then we can go to Scott. Yeah, well, and mine can be a little more brief because uh, 34 years, a lot has changed, um, and even in eight years, right, a lot has changed. So I would say, you know, when I when I took office, uh, we had been through some roller coaster rides in downtown, which Scott can can uh, can attest to. But we were really on uh, the start of an uptick. We had uh, exited the recession, and there was new investment coming into downtown. We had uh, the Google project, which can uh, essentially double our downtown footprint west of 87. Uh, we had our very first speculative office building uh, get approved, which is now almost completed in construction. Uh, Adobe uh, building their fourth tower, some new high rise, both uh, high rise residential, mid rise residential coming in the mural towers, which are now complete across from City Hall. Uh, so we really started to catch fire and, and it helped a lot of the, the businesses, the restaurants, the nightlife. Uh, we were on a, a really great upswing. And then COVID hit and uh, the, the world uh, really came to a screeching halt as did uh, downtown. And we are now once again, uh, right, kind of finding ourselves back trying to reemerge from another setback. Uh, what I would say, fortunately, uh, we have is we've had a lot of those people, or companies, right, and, and developers, investors into the downtown core, even those that paused, uh, they didn't necessarily leave. We absolutely saw some small businesses, right, that, that shuttered. We know we lost a lot during the pandemic, but we also saw a lot more uh, small businesses open and take a chance at uh, a new business, uh, an opportunity of rebirth, right, and regrowth for uh, our downtown core. Uh, and now we've even seen some of those developments that might have even paused, uh, continue through the process. And so I think unlike what we've seen in a challenge in the past when we've had some of these swings, uh, we're going to emerge much faster out of uh, of this setback. Uh, and I think we're seeing it with, with the development that has continued. Uh, and it's really going to take, uh, I think, a, a turn for the better as we see Google start to actually uh, break ground on, on some of their projects. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. Certainly, we don't like setbacks, um, but, uh, you know, we know how to deal with it. And I know uh, Scott can, can add a lot more to that. 34 years is a long time, and 
the exit is very well orchestrated, leaving with Raul, with Mayor uh, Licardo. Uh, both of those are, are open seats, and it's really been a pleasure working with our downtown councilman the, the past eight years. The, if I had to pick what was the major change over three-plus decades, I'd have to give you two. One, what's happened to media? The, when, when we first started, there were radio stations that we could go and work with, and they could get bands, and they could provide those bands for music in the park, and we had FM stations, and the consolidation of the media has just been uh, really detrimental, in my opinion, to what uh, I describe as the fourth estate work. And nowhere is that more evident than you know, Alden Capital, a vulture hedge fund, taking over the Merck, stripping San Jose out of the name, decimating the news staff, uh, and selling the River, River Park Drive you know, property. They're just kind of wringing the profits out in different ways. And uh, the second thing I would say, Nick, the biggest change, and, and I know uh, the councilman uh, and, and I can talk much more extensively on this, is uh, you know, three, four years ago, we didn't talk about homeless. We didn't talk about unhoused. And now it's almost everything we talk about. Every uh, So much of what uh, we, the momentum and where we're dealing with uh, clean, cleanliness and safety is, is centered around the experience our citizens are having on the streets, you know, throughout the world, certainly the Bay Area, all of San Jose, but in the downtown particularly. When we talk, when Raul talks to his constituents, I talk to my members. That's the first thing we hear. Thank you for that. We will get into the homelessness issue in just a second, but I also wanted to ask, what other challenges um, – do you face when revitalizing downtown? And council member, we can start with you. And then again, we'll go to Scott second. Yeah. You know, again, we've, we've sort of been through this uh, uh, a number of times. And as Scott is intimately aware of where, uh, you know, we, we've, we've had to revitalize our, our downtown because we've had businesses that shuttered or uh, a lack of investment and development or a slowdown uh, changes in the economy. Uh, and so it's, it's really multifaceted, right? There's not, one thing, any organization, whether it's the city itself, uh, organizations like the Downtown Association, there's not one developer, right, or investor that can really change the the, the tide. Uh, it is a collaborative effort, all the way from a small business, right, taking a chance at opening their business in downtown, all the way to the the big developers that may make uh, billion dollar investments in new infrastructure in the city. And then uh, us as a local government, right? How are we actually investing in the core necessities of city services? As you mentioned, Scott mentioned, we'll talk about in a little bit here, addressing things like homelessness, right? That we know have been a major challenge. Uh, and so for us, now that was a, a key component as we not only navigated the pandemic, uh, but also knowing that in order to recover and revitalize from the pandemic, that we were going to need an all hands on deck approach uh, and really multifaceted. Uh, my office helped to, to spearhead and pull together the Greater Downtown Economic Recovery Task Force. Uh, and we actually had over 
60 multi-jurisdictional policy and tactical recommendations that came out of that. Uh, Over 60 participants ranging from, again, small business owners to uh, developers, faith-based organizations, nonprofit, you name it, everybody that had a stake within the downtown and greater downtown areas. Uh, And now we even have a a long-term downtown economic recovery uh, and stimulus study which was uh, funded uh, through that task force uh, and that report actually will be coming out soon uh, to help us to continue to have a blueprint on on how we recover. Well, Scott's answer would have been very different two years ago. I would say the biggest challenge now is this damn pandemic and the after effects of the economic shock that have, uh, as the councilman is, is very articulately said, has really set us back. Uh, so where we are doing two steps forward, we've now done two steps back. And, and our ability to recover from that is is so far out of our control with how the future of work is going to look and how do we get back to the plans and the density. Uh, I Two years ago, I would have said our biggest challenge was resources, in, in particularly on the public sector side. We... When, when Governor Brown eliminated redevelopment, it really took away one of the few tools that local government had. That was how we were investing, primarily in affordable housing, for instance, but also in some of the capital investments. The city is very, very limited in how it can uh, invest in some of the uh, you know, capital projects we need to kind of tax ourselves. We need to come up with special because the, everything's more expensive. And the basic city services that that we fundamentally have to to have at all times is is you know barely barely makes us to the starting gate. And so we don't really have a lot of flexible money, and we're relying more on on grants on the private sector, on the third sector. And as as uh, Raul said. That collaboration is key because there isn't any one sector that has enough resources to get it done on their own. Getting into the homelessness issue now, um, homelessness is definitely pervasive around the city, uh, but it's especially visible in downtown, whether that's you know Columbus Park or right in front of City Hall. Uh, to me, it seems like there's an important balance um, between making downtown a place that people want to go, cleaning it up so people return, the foot traffic returns, while at the same time not just sweeping the homeless out of the area and displacing them somewhere else, which I think sweeps have shown to do. So, council member, from a city perspective, how should the city be addressing the homeless issue downtown? Yeah, and, and um, you know, I think first off I will say that it's it's not how they should be. It's it's really how we have been, and, um, you know, I think we, we know we've been – Addressing it, we also know that it's been inadequate because we haven't seen the changes uh, positively that we've wanted to see. Uh, this is also, uh, I think, it, uh, a, a collaboration of some new challenges uh, and some old. As Scott can attest, again, uh, you know, nearly four decades in the downtown core, there was another challenge that we didn't have uh, back then, uh, and that was with how we could serve those that were mentally ill. And over the decades, we've seen how that has really added to this challenge. We've always had a homeless population, but never at this scale. Uh, and never where we've had so many individuals where we really lack the resources from the public standpoint, whether it's the city or even our county resources and at the state level to be able to help individuals, uh, especially those, again, that are struggling with mental health uh, and drug and alcohol addiction. 
we know that we have a lot of really great solutions. In fact, the Downtown Association uh, was one of the early uh, supporters of solutions like 100% permanent supportive housing. We have the Villas on the Park, which was the third uh, 100% permanent supportive housing development built through Measure A funds in the county. And it's been housing over 80 individuals that were formerly homeless, uh, many of those living right here in our city and, and uh, several of them living right here in our downtown, previously on our streets or in our parks. And those are the solutions that we know work. We know we need more of them. Uh, we can have some of those at scale, right, at, at, a, at, a, at a lesser level, like our uh, tiny homes, or we call them emergency inter- interim housing communities. We're building one now over by the police station off of uh, Taylor Street. Uh, so we can build some more of those solutions, uh, but really uh, we're going to need more partners at the table to really resolve this issue. Uh, and not just outside of the city. I'll start with inside the city because the, the District 3 areas actually has uh, done quite a bit, as Scott can attest as well. We have two 100% permanent supportive housing developments. We have two uh, emergency interim housing communities or tiny home sites. We have uh, several motel conversions. Uh, we have several safe parking uh, areas, uh, overnight warming centers. We have really run the gamut on trying to create as many solutions as possible, but we don't see that across the city. Uh, and we certainly don't see it across the county and, and the region. So we're going to need more partners to step up to help address this challenge. Uh, and then lastly, I think we're really going to need more support all the way up from our state and federal levels and then down to our county when it comes to addressing individuals that are suffering with mental health issues and drug and alcohol addiction uh, because we we really are limited at the city level on uh, our ability to help those individuals. Absolutely. And thank you for breaking that down, council member. I mean, even the county with the limited number of treatment beds and and them trying to deal with the public health crisis, it's a real concern. Um, Scott, I'd like to hear your perspective from a business standpoint. How is homelessness downtown impacting businesses in the area? And what what do you think else um, what else do you think needs to be done in order to attract businesses back to downtown? Well, those are two very different different subjects. You know, part part of what will help attract businesses is getting a handle on the, the street population. I think it's really important uh, and, and the councilman was really kind of illustrating how complex this is. We all agree that those who want housing should get housing. But, but let's be honest, that's, that's the low-hanging fruit for, for what a lot of our partners, the nonprofit partners, the, the county, the city, all, you know, a lot of the advocates, we all agree on that. The hard part is that percentage of folks who are service resistant, that are refusing to come in, whether they're mentally ill, whether they're drug addicted, whether they're on the verge of a psychotic break, whatever the, the reason is, that is the difficult population that is causing a lot of the fear. And we worked for a long time to get assisted outpatient treatment. And I'm, I'm concerned that we aren't going to have the fortitude as we're, as we're losing leaders like uh, Councilman Perales who really understands how this all works to do the involuntary holds. We are going to have to temporarily curtail some people's rights to get them into treatment, which I think is much more compassionate and humane than leaving them on the street to die. And that has not happened yet. We've only recently stood up this year, the assisted outpatient treatment, but we need the action. And I can tell you there's probably 10 individuals 
these are the folks that are that are screaming uncontrollably or defecating on the street that you know they're not getting into the van to get their medications or to get help they're 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 not working with the case manager these folks are going to have to be involuntarily helped because they're not the only victim they're victimizing people in the neighborhoods in uh you know i was in san pedro square last night about 9 30 i saw this this young man come out with his dog, come out the door, and there was a lady, you know, poor unfortunate soul right there that he had to step over and he swiveled his head. And I, I, I felt for them both. Both of them were victims in that moment. So we have to do more to address this difficult population that frankly nobody has figured it out how to do it. Maybe San Jose can be the first. Thank you for that, both of you. We're going to take a short break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Support for San Jose Spotlight comes from San Jose Jazz Summerfest, August 12th to 14th. It's the rebirth of live with headliners Charlie Wilson, Ladisi, Duran Jones and the Indications, Stanley Clark, and more. Tickets available at summerfest.sanjosejazz.org. The Summer Splash Party is still going strong at Gilroy Gardens. Come chill out at Water Oasis with twisty water slides and a giant tipping bucket, plus gentle flower showers and a peaceful lagoon for younger kids. Parents can join in the super splashy fun, or just relax under a palm tree while you watch the kids play. Get discount tickets and season memberships at gilroygardens.org and make memories that will last a lifetime. We've also heard some concerns about crime and public safety from local businesses in the downtown area. Now, the city just approved $3.7 million in funding for uh, 16 positions at San Jose Police Department for walking beat patrols. Uh, Councilmember Perales, I think as a reserve police officer, you're well positioned to speak about what kind of impact this could have on downtown. How will foot patrols help? And is this something that has been happening already? Yeah, well, first off, they are. And they've actually been happening uh, for over a decade. Unfortunately, it's been sporadic been hit or miss. Uh, it's been an, an overtime position. It's been something that has been funded uh, on a one-time basis year over year since I've been in office and before I was in office, uh, right, to, to fund foot patrol officers in the downtown core. In fact, a couple years ago, we expanded it actually citywide uh, because my colleagues on the council saw a benefit of this uh, in particular business corridors in their district as well. I have been an advocate now for several years of finally making this a permanent component of the police department, of our budget, where we're no longer funding it on a one-time basis, and more importantly, where it's no longer being staffed on an overtime one-time basis, where you actually have a set of officers uh, and a supervisor that that is their dedicated job. They're, They're out there for the entirety of a year, which our police department now bids for, right? They're out there for that year. That is their job. They're out uh, dedicated walking uh, on a walking beat, something you'll see in almost every other major urban city in their their urban center. Uh, you'll find foot patrol, dedicated foot patrol officers. Uh, and, and really, it, it has a number of benefits. And it's not just public safety. We know that that is the you know key component, something that our, our both our visitors and, and employees and residents in downtown want and businesses. But there's another component that I've seen and I am very, very familiar with, which is that community policing component. That interaction that officers have when they're simply just walking around and, and able to talk to people, talk to businesses, get to know the areas, get to know the suspects, right? Get to know the individuals that are causing uh, challenges in in the downtown. 
uh, and again, throughout the, the entirety of the city in particular corridors. Uh, that component there is, is really, really beneficial for everybody, for our community, for our police officers. Uh, and, and that's something you don't get when you have whether it's on a one-time overtime basis and it's sporadic and you have somebody in and out and you don't know when, you know, officers are coming or who's coming. Uh, and you definitely don't get it when you have patrol cars. So when we, when we rely on a regular basis on patrol cars to patrol neighborhoods or the downtown and they're driving by, they, they, don't, they don't get any of that interaction with the businesses, with the community. They're not seeing and feeling that on, on a ground uh, level. And so really there's so many benefits. I'm really excited. Uh, I will just caution everybody because uh, our chief has made it very clear. They're not instituting this permanently now. He needs to get bodies in the police department. He needs to be able to fully staff up uh, these 16 positions. His intent is that next year uh, they're hoping to have these 16 positions and that they will have for the first time those 16 officers bid uh, for those those spots. But it's so this year we're still on on the overtime one time basis. Uh, that was well said. Raul really has command of this issue. And from the street level, there's no substitute like seeing the uniform PD, sheriff's officers, San Jose State Police, the uh, groundwork staff, the you know the folks in, in uniform being out visible on, on the street, they just add a level of comfort. And one of the things that Councilman Brellis did that was very effective was to try to, you know, again, it comes down to resources. So we've only got limited number of SEU officers working or limited number of foot patrol folks. So how can we coordinate and collaborate so they're not all deployed on the same four days a week during the same hours and how can we spread them out and get more coverage in the downtown that takes a little bit of it's more complicated than you would think Um, scott this is another question for you Uh, i wanted to touch on the property-based improvement district Um, for listeners uh, the property-based improvement district is essentially a special district that collects funds to spend in the downtown area on things like cleaning scott you mentioned groundworks earlier uh, as well as security and business development. Can you talk about how continuing uh, this district will help improve the downtown? I appreciate that you called it an assessment district, so it's not technically a tax, but it looks, walks, smells like a tax, so a lot of people do consider it a, a tax, but it is a benefit assessment, and it has to go through a very rigorous process that included a uh, approval in June by, by Raul and his colleagues at, at the city council. And this is essentially property owners in a geographic area. It doesn't have to be downtown. We could form PBIDs or community districts. There's one in, for instance, on Lincoln Avenue in Willow Glen. And then there's a business improvement district in Japantown. It's somewhat surprising for a city of our size that we only have three of these special districts where we're getting these enhanced services for a, a special commercial district. And for our members, they wanted to see things clean, safe, and beautiful. So a lot of the money is being spent on groundwork staff, which because uh, of our commitment to uh, the way that this city works, all of the staff gets a living wage. And it has really helped us. I can say this for the 15 years of our existence of keeping staff. We have some staff members that are still with us since we started in 2008. And I, I I know in talking to the other accounts around the country, they're uh, envious of our employee recruitment. I said, well, you're just not paying them enough. (laughs) Uh, It costs a lot to live here. And it's really important 
uh, they, they take a lot of pride in their work. And I would say it's probably our most popular program now. And, you know, the lights, the decorative lighting, the flowering uh, baskets, the planters, the murals, the streetlight projects, the dog parks, you know, trying to kind of plug a little bit, teeny bit of that hole that was left with the vanquishing of redevelopment back in 2011. So the, the PBID, as, as Raul and others have said, you can't imagine what downtown would look and, and smell like if we weren't doing the pressure washing and picking up the trash, abating the graffiti, doing the, the work of, of uh, again, these are enhanced services, but they're absolutely necessary for downtown to be an attractive environment. Thank you for that. Um- Scott, this is another question for you and, and council member. Maybe you'll have something to add at the end of this. Um, we know COVID had a big role to play in the current state of downtown, but it, it still, still seems like people are spending a lot of their time currently in places like Santana Row, Willow Glen, downtown Campbell, as compared to downtown San Jose, at least when it comes to shopping and dining. So, Scott, I'd like you to you know just give listeners a, a taste of what lively things are happening in downtown right now that they should be aware of. Yeah, I was I was hoping we'd get to uh, circle back with your intro here talking. It sounded real dystopian, talking about a hot mess downtown and how uh, it, it was really sucking down here. And, and I do think there's a tendency, especially for the online media, like Spotlight, that's kind of driving for clickbait and, and to hit with a big negative uh, just to, to get people in there. Uh, if you read your own article on you know, the, the downtown economic, it was, it was very clear in there that we weren't the only area and that there is a lot of economic shock from the pandemic. It's very clear, we don't have the people back in the offices. We don't have people back in the hotels, in the conventions. And that certainly is evident at the ground plane level. We have far too many buildings boarded up. We have, uh, you know, we, we have businesses that, that are closing all the time. And yet we have businesses that are also opening. Just this week, you could have gone to the farmer's market yesterday. Tonight, you can go to City Dance. Last Saturday was Starlight Cinemas. Last Friday was Music in the Park. There are things that are happening all the time. Our businesses report that on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I know that's only three nights, and that doesn't make a viable business three nights out of seven. Um, but they're back to pre-pandemic levels uh, as we become a, a regional destination on those nights. So as, as the councilman said, that he's seen it emerge faster. We're hoping to see it come back, but boy, every time we've got another one of these variants, another one of these, 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 you know, confusing uh, directives that that help us move forward and kind of accumulate a little momentum. It seems like we're getting, you know, knocked back. It, it's I don't even know if I if it's okay to say if I'm. Mid it does, certainly doesn't feel post-pandemic. I don't know if we're mid-pandemic. I don't really know where we are and how and how to keep giving hope because I can tell you a lot of businesses are at their wit's end of that that have made it through these two and a half years. They're having trouble, uh, even though there seems to be a lot of people out of work, finding workers, keeping them, and and retaining them. And we're just taking it kind of one month at a time. We're trying to do the promotion. We're trying to get the word out about all of the cool things that we have and trying to set an example. Uh, we're having a sad day 
at the Downtown Association tomorrow. That stands for Staff Appreciation Day. Little tongue in cheek irony there. And we're all going to San Jose Social. We had some, I had members of my staff who didn't even know they could bowl downtown. So, you know, we're, we're going to go give some love. Dine Downtown starts tomorrow. Nick, all of your, all of your readers go and look up one of the 21 restaurants there. There's some new ones I haven't even tried out yet because they just opened last week. And, and go to that restaurant, tip generously. You know, I, I would just echo um, a little bit of Scott's sentiment there. Uh, I also was was a bit offended on the intro of downtown. I think it's perspective, right? Uh, not to to shy away from the fact that we have challenges in downtown at all. Um, but I think if you're focusing strictly on sort of the negative or what's not happening, absolutely, right? People, there's a lot you can talk about. Um, but for instance, right, uh, somebody can focus on Cafe Stritch closing, which I was bummed about too. Uh, or you could focus on the fact that you can go catch a new show at Mama Kin, <laughs> right, at the same spot, um, right? And uh, if you were to go across the street, um, right, and and – and be able to to just I think you know enjoy what the sofa district has to offer as as Scott was pointing out on uh, farmers market night right and and I've taken my wife and kids and we've gone down right and gotten some produce and then go down and get a bite to eat in in the sofa market right and um, then from that perspective right uh, downtown not only still has I think what what it was offering you know previously but it has some some new things to offer. Uh, right? Are we are we rivaling um, other major urban cores that that maybe have bounced back, or minor urban cores? Um, right in, in areas like you point out, uh, like Santana Row. Right? Um, I think no. Right? It's clearly we're we're not. But it also is is what you're what you're coming after and, and what you're going for. Right? And and I think that um, you know we're not shying away from the fact that that downtown has some struggles, but um, we're also not just leaving. I certainly th- those like me that are downtown residents, right, um, for decades, uh, and, and and we're not just going away saying, well, you know, there's some challenges. Uh, there's a lot to offer. I'll be out. I'll be hosting opening night of Jazz Fest on uh, August 13th, right, and we'll be uh, booming and hustling and bustling again in, in downtown with the Jazz Fest. This will be the the first time, uh, right, in, in a couple years that they've been able to be at full full capacity. Uh, and and as Scott points out, right, with the spikes in COVID, we still don't know really where we're at in the pandemic. Uh, so we're all at this point kind of navigating, uh, you know, through that. Um, but you know, I think there's there's a lot, uh, right, if you, if you look. And the Downtown Association uh, does a good job, job of trying to market that. My office as well uh, and what's happening in, in downtown. And, uh, you know, we, we know we have uh, a couple things that would really help. Number one, uh, just residents, right? We've been trying to build more residential, get more people. Uh, if, if we're able to achieve that and let's say Miro Towers, right, starts to fill up, which it's doing a good job at. And, um, uh, uh, and, and then if we could finally uh, get some, some residents over uh, in the, the old Silvery Towers uh, right there and, and be able to, to, to get some more residents, that's going to make a huge difference. And, uh, and, and we're looking forward uh, to that happening. I was downtown after dark last night, Tuesday night, Raul, and Mama Ken was jumping. They had a band, and it was impressive to see in full, you know, because they moved the stage up against the window now. They rearranged it. So, yeah, you've got businesses that come and go all the time, Nick. And there's going to be, a, a, I mean, we're all sad about 4th Street Pizza. 
We, we just wrote about it today. And, uh, you know, but there's going to be a new incarnation there. And that's the thing about city building. You're never done. It's always changing. You're always coming and going. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. To be an entrepreneur, you have to have vision, confidence, and purpose. And like so many other business owners, you have to find resources that can help you through tough times. Comcast Rise changed my life. They put me in a unique space where I could scale on my own. More than 4,700 businesses have benefited from the Comcast Rise program. Apply today at ComcastRise.com for a variety of business, marketing, and tech makeovers on us. Keep rising. Looking for a design agency that can take your brand to the next level? Design in Mind is a woman-led design agency that specializes in branding mid-sized companies, startups, and even nonprofits. Reach out to discover how a better brand can help move your business forward and book a consultation at designim.com. I know we're coming up on the time here, so I have one final question uh, and then we can sign off. I wanted to talk about the future of downtown because there's a lot of development happening um, both currently and then planned in the pipeline. Uh, somebody mentioned Google's Downtown West project earlier. There's also the BART subway planning, which will bring more public transit downtown. So I'm just curious from both of you, how do you see these projects changing the downtown area? Um, primarily in benefits, but I'd also be curious to know if there are any negatives or concerns that you have about the future of downtown. Um, Council member, let's start with you. Yeah, well, I will say, you know, the, the BART investment into downtown and the Google developments uh, really can be a huge game changer positively for the downtown core. Uh, and we've known that. And, and that's where actually Scott and I've worked very closely for years on uh, not just those projects, but subsidiaries, right? And, 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 and uh, precursory, you know, decisions that had to happen before those projects uh, even had an opportunity at coming through. We've now uh, essentially have approvals, right, of both of those. Uh, they're still iterating slightly and, and we don't know exact timelines, right? But, but for the most part, we know that the, the big decisions have been made on both of those projects uh, and those will be significant. We, we worked hard to make sure that the, the BART project was not a cut and cover uh, traditional uh, technique and that we could do a single bore and, and not impact downtown even, any more than, than we already have been. Um, and, and we're excited about that because we know that the impacts have been minimized and will be minimized because of that. And, uh, and we worked hard, right, with the Google project to ensure that we had something, uh, right, that would really incorporate and fit in with the Deardon Station area there uh, and that benefited our entire community with affordable housing included, right, parks and open space included, as well as all the jobs that uh, we want to be able to create in the area there. Uh, and so I think these will be tremendously impactful. Uh, it's going to take some time, right? These are not around the corner, um, but 10 years from now, because of these decisions that were made and these investments, uh, right, when, when they're built out, it, it's going to be a completely different uh, downtown from what it is today. I think Councilman Perales can be very proud of how much he accomplished on those two major projects in his eight years. For me, it's a little bit different. You know, I'm talking stepping down after 34 years and there's some unfinished business. There, uh, I, I mean, if I look at St. James Park, uh, you know, I failed to, to significantly move. I mean, we had some high points, music in the other park. We did some cool things, Starlight Cinemas, you know, there's, but in terms of, of really moving the needle, I, I, I didn't. I, I, look at, <laughs> I look at the Dr. U building, 
you know, I've got <laughs> every day I walk by that. It's like reminds me third, you know, three decades of failure there. You know, it's never looked worse. This is the corner of Second and Santa Clara. It's covered. Every window and door is covered with, with freaking plywood right now. And I have to send groundworks out there every day to, to paint over it because we've got some absentee owner that, that doesn't respect our city. And we haven't figured out a way. To, I haven't figured out a way to, to, to get it done either. So it's, you know, it's fragile what we're doing. Yeah, it's the big projects, but we really need to be kind of helping our, our next generation up because they're the ones that are going to inherit it. Is 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 uh, you know, folks like me. It's it's time to step aside and let somebody else come in here and and lead us. And I'm really encouraged by the spirit and, and the energy of the next generation. And we need to make sure that they can see themselves into this downtown. There's spaces for them to live and and to work and to recreate. And and I think we can do a better job of that. I know that they will do. An even better job. District 3 San Jose Council Member Raul Perales, Scott Neese, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.